morning. Sitting on the end of the wobbly mattress, he picked open the laces of his scuffed, steel-toed boots, placing them precisely under the corner of the bed, then unbuttoned the grubby, paper-thin flannel shirt he wore and tugged it free from his jeans. He pushed the garment into the dresser drawer that he used in lieu of a dirty clothes hamper, unconsciously adjusting the ill-fitting drawer so it lay precisely flush to the frame, then scratched his grease-rhymed fingernails through his scalp, loosing hair matted by the day's headgear of knit cap and helmet, before stretching hard in an attempt to rid his body of the day's tiredness. The attempt was not a success. He walked out of the bedroom limping slightly, dressed in stocking feet, jeans, and the spotless army green T-shirt he had worn beneath the plaid flannel. In the apartment's tiny bathroom, which was still pretty grim, even though he'd got down on his hands and knees the day he moved in and scoured every surface, Alan ran the rust-stained basin full of cold water, splashed and dried his face. He used the toilet, then went back to the basin using hot water and soap this time to scrub his hands, his bearded face, and the back of his neck. He'd rather have taken a shower to rid himself of the indescribably oily feeling of his day, but he knew he'd really need one later and he couldn't permit himself to have two showers in one evening. A little compulsiveness was okay, but let's not let it get out of hand. So he washed his face and hands, and when every inch of exposed skin was clean and glowing, he arranged the thin damp towel foursquare on the peeling chrome of the bar and switched off the light. At no point had he looked into the dim mirror over the basin. In the kitchen again, Alan frowned at the contents of the refrigerator, glanced over the meager supply of pasta and canned goods in the cupboard, and in the end fried up a pair of thick ham and provolone sandwiches with tomatoes and onions on week-old bread. He carried his plate with the remains of the beer into the cramped living room and propped his feet up on the massive pseudo-wood table in front of the musty sofa, allowing the greasy food and the mindless television to carry him through to the half-hour break. With a sigh and another beer, he then sat down to his work. In the arc of experience that had brought him from a scorching runway in Saigon to this fetid apartment among the winos, Alan had picked up a number of skills. Primary among them, then and now, was the ability to disengage. Going through the pockets of a long-dead enemy soldier, dropping down to check a bunker they'd thought was empty but which a fragmentation grenade had proved was not, watching a brutal interrogation loading a veal's weeping inhabitants into a chinook like cattle, you had to stand aside mentally and let your hands and eyes do their job. Like a flak jacket on the emotions, disassociation made it possible to carry on even if you were hit. Now it made it possible for Alan to watch his illicit videos of blonde, curly-headed six-year-old Amberlynn McKenzie with the least possible involvement of the mind. If he stopped to let it all in, if he allowed his eyes to dwell on the child's face or let his ears hear her stepfather's clever cajoling, he knew damn well that he'd put down his beer and just go murder the bastard— which wouldn't help anyone, least of all that little girl whimpering on the television screen. 
Instead, he fast-forwarded parts of what the bedroom spy camera had recorded, although, truth to tell, it was rarely the actual rape that got to him on these sorts of cases. No, the part he found truly unbearable was, he'd long ago decided, the very same part that the pedophile loved the most, the seduction. Most pedophiles weren't interested in merely overpowering a child, but rather found their greatest pleasure in the game of domination, keeping the child just this side of outright panic by first discovering and then manipulating each particular victim's individual needs, fears, and nobilities. The subtle interplay of threat and cajoling, pressure and affection, always hit Alan the hardest. The terrible intimacy involved... A predator's complete understanding of his prey, a knowledge such as...